A young girl weeps in a far distant land. She has no one to show her God's love. No mother or father to wipe away her tears. She cries out in the night all alone. Bury my heart on the mission field, Lord. I'll go to dry that young girl's tears. I'll serve you no matter where the path may lead, Lord. Please bury my heart. A mother grieves for her starving child. She has no shelter from the cold. Earthly provision will ease their suffering, but who will feed their empty souls? Bury my heart on the mission field, Lord. I'll give the gospel to the suffering one. to go, Lord, please bury my heart. Will you ignore these lost souls in the night? Can you hear their pleading cries? They're begging for someone to show them the way. Go before another one dies. Bury my heart on the mission field, Lord. These distant voices won't fade away. I'll do your will, no matter the cost. Lord, please bury my heart. I'll do your will, no matter the cost, Lord, I give you my heart, Lord, I'll give you my heart. Thank the Lord for those that will go. And yet, those that go cannot go without those holding the ropes or those that are supporting behind. And so it's important that we have both. Amen? Take your Bible, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 40 today. I have a lot to cover and a lot to accomplish today. Of course, at the end, we'll be taking up an offering. But uh, again, that offering is not for those that are visiting today, of course. It's for those who are uh, faithful uh, to our church services and are here on a regular basis. <clears throat> not saying you can't give if you don't want, but I'm saying you don't have to and you don't have to feel obligated in any way to do so. Uh, as a matter of fact, you, you shouldn't feel obligated in any way, that's for sure. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 40, a real basic, a real simple verse. <clears throat> I warred with what to share this morning, and I 
ended up uh, just kind of in prayer this morning, and boom, just kind of simple, really simple today. Nothing, uh, it's probably anything that uh, any sixth grader could uh, search in their Bible and come up with. It's not like it's, uh, uh, you know, that deep or anything like that. It's just very simple. We have little time, and we have much to accomplish. So I want to just, I believe keeping it simple today will be very helpful for me and you alike. So 1 Corinthians 14.33 simply says, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. I think I read the wrong verse. 1 Corinthians 14.40 Let all things be done decently and in order. See, I told you I need to keep it very simple today. Very simple, okay? So we're going to get to that verse in just a second. But let all things be done decently and in order. And that's what we want to start with this morning. And, you know, I think about that verse. And when I think about that verse, I can't help but think about that new building that we're messing around with. I mean, to tell you, I mean, there's, it's, it's uh, you know, a little over 40,000 square foot. And it's basically a 40,000 square foot maze. I mean, there are rooms and hallways and, I mean, it's just everywhere. You know what I mean? It just goes on forever, it seems, when you first walk in. And obviously, as you've been there a little while, it, it, it shrinks down some and it doesn't seem nearly as confusing. But at first, it could seem extremely confusing. And I just realized that, I mean, right from demo days uh, to making decisions about wall color, carpet, and trim... There's so many decisions that have to be made on a regular basis. I mean, the work and the workers have to be meticulously ordered so that no energy, time, or even money is wasted. There's so much that goes into making sure that that building is on schedule, that it's uh, moving ahead, and that things are being done appropriately and, and, and the way they need to be done in order for it to be something that honors and glorifies the Lord. You know, the Lord Jesus Christ and, and God the Father, they are gods of order, and they like things being done the way they're supposed to be done. And they have, uh, they, 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 being gods of order, or being a god of order, they, they are honored when our energy, our time, and our money is well spent in this area of missions. And the Lord has a plan, and the Lord has a people, and the Lord has a program, that he's trying to implement. And today I want to touch on those three simple things because he's a God of order. Again, we make things so complicated so often, don't we? I mean, we, we just can't wrap our mind around things without making them more difficult than they are. I mean, it just can't be that simple, right? I mean, salvation can't be that simple, right? It is. And not only is salvation that simple, but God's plan and purpose for the ages is not complicated. It's simple. And so this area of missions today is pretty simple. And I, I just want to lay the foundation because God being a God of order wants things to be simple for us. And so today, I want to note just those three simple thoughts. God has a plan. God has a people. And God has a program. And so let's have a quick word of prayer, and we'll look at those three elements today very quickly. Father, we love you. Thank you for these that have gathered today. Lord, our hearts are full from this week at the missions conference. We call it a missions revival. And Lord, I know in my own heart, Lord, I've been stirred to do some things that I haven't done. 
as far as giving and things. And I appreciate that, Lord. And I thank you, Father, for just moving me in that direction and helping me to see that, uh, that I can do more for your glory than what I was even doing. And Lord, I thank you, Father, for how you spoke to others here. Father, not just uh, in our financial giving, but Lord, in the giving of ourselves uh, to you. And then, Lord, the going, reaching out to others that are in need. Oh, Lord, how miserably uh, I have failed it so often at being the witness and the testimony in a lost world I ought to be. And, Lord, uh, being around Brother Van Horn and these other missionaries and hearing the word of God and your Holy Spirit pricking my heart, I, Father, want to be better for you in this area. I want to be bolder for you in this area. Lord, I'm sure that everyone that attended the missions conference came away with something that you laid on their heart. And for that, we're grateful. This morning, speak to us once again. Holy Spirit of God, what a waste of time this will be if they hear simply me, a man. Oh, God, they need to hear you. I don't have anything, Father, that is great in that regard other than the fact that you wrote it makes it great. So, Lord, I pray, dear God, that you just help them to hear your word and hear your spirit speak today. Lord, may you do a work in our hearts. We'll thank you and give you the glory for it. In Christ's name, amen. First of all, when we think about this God of order, he, he has a plan. He has a plan. Turn to Ephesians chapter 1, would you please? Ephesians chapter 1. This might be <clears throat> considered more of a, almost like a Sunday school lesson more than anything because we're making some statements and I want to share some scripture with you and I want the Word of God to speak. I believe the Word of God always, should always speak, but I think we'll let it speak more than me today as a whole. But notice Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1 through 6. We'll begin the chapter there, chapter 1, and we'll read through verse 6. The Bible says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as He hath chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestinated us to the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved. God has a plan. In eternity past, God chose a plan. Now get this, He did not choose a person. He chose a plan. And that's very important because if you would ever uh, avail yourself, and I trust you don't really, avail yourself to any Calvinistic type teaching, what you will find from this passage, they will take it and say that God chose a person. That God made a decision to say, you go to heaven and you, my friend, go to hell. That's not what the passage teaches. What we see here in the passage is that God has a plan. And that plan we are found is that we are chosen in Him. Notice the passage says, according as He hath chosen us in Him. He chose us in Him. Who's the Him? Jesus Christ. What we find is that when we are in Him, we are chosen. It's that simple. If you are in Him, you are chosen. 
John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. See, the God of heaven has a heart for all the world. Now don't tell me you love me and then send me to hell. Don't tell me how much you care about me and then send me to hell. That doesn't even make any sense to anybody with any common sense. There's no way that a, a parent would say, I love you, but... There you go. That ain't happening. And listen, the God in heaven is a better father than I am. He's not going to tell me he loves me and then say, too bad, there you go. I'm sending you there without any opportunity to escape. Makes no sense at all. None at all. By the way, if you end up in hell, it'll be your choice, not his. The God of heaven, again, has a heart for all. In 2 Peter 3, 9. Look there, if you would, please. Again, we have to be consistent in the Word of God. It's amazing. We cannot look at two distinct, different passages that say two distinct, different things and not understand what's, we're trying, what's, what's going on here. God is not going to contradict Himself to that degree. In, in, in that, I mean, we understand that sometimes it seems to be a paradox, we look at a scripture and then we see another and we go, man, he's saying two opposite things. God has a great truth for us to learn in that. God does not contradict himself. And in this particular case, he's not contradicting himself either. Someone says, well, that means that he chooses people, that some people are called to salvation, other people are called to lose it. No, I, that's not it at all. Now, watch what happens here. 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us. We're not willing, not willing, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Don't tell me that He said, you go to hell and you go to heaven, you go to heaven, you go to hell, and yet He's willing that none should perish. That makes no sense. None at all. He's not willing that any should. That means that with his all, his heart, his being, his person, he's willing that all come to repentance, that everybody turns from sin and to the Savior. Having a heart for all the world, God provided a means by which the world could be saved. Yes, he doesn't just have this plan. This plan says, says that, listen, you have to be in him. Well, how in the world do you get in him? How's that get handled? Well, over in the book of 2 Corinthians 5.21, the Bible says, For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He says basically this. Come on up here, brother, would you please? He simply says this. For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin. Sinless. Perfect. He made him to be sin for us, who know no sin. That's Jesus Christ. That, and, and he goes on to say in the passage that we might be made the righteousness of God. So what it is, he says, okay, you're going to bear my sin. I'm going to get your righteousness. Now listen, if I got a big enough guy, I could have said, okay, take off this jacket, which represents your righteousness. I could have put that jacket over mine right now. And what you would have seen was his jacket. Now listen, Jesus Christ has his righteousness. And he became sin for us who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. We take his righteousness and we are robed with his righteousness and he bears our sin. Being perfect, however, he fulfills the law of Christ. Therefore, he is okay. He's all right. And he paid for our sin, but he doesn't have to continue to pay for it forever because he lived a sinless life. We, however, will pay for it forever if we don't let him. And that's what he's saying. I got a plan. 
And that plan is that you've got to get in Him or you're going to go to hell. You've got to get in Him or you're going to be lost forever. It's not a matter of, I choose you, Mark O'Donnell, and I don't choose your brother or your sister. I choose you over him, over her, and I go, wow, I'm somebody pretty special. I'm sorry, but that arrogance and pride, my friend, is not something that pleases God at all anyway. And listen, if I'm proud or if I'm thankful, it's simply to Jesus Christ because he opens it up to all, and I'm just glad that he would save a sinner like me. Not that I'm any special or any better than anybody else. I'm just... I've just trusted him. I just received him. He drew me and I called on him. I asked him to save me and that's as simple as it is. I don't deserve heaven. I deserve hell. And boy, I'll tell you what, I'm glad he loved me enough to save me. To send him in my place. Romans 10, 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So he sent him to take our place. He sent him to bear our sin. And yet the truth is, is that when we are prompted and convicted and moved and wooed by the Holy Spirit of God, and we understand that we're sinners at the root of our being, and we realize there's no hope of escaping that sinfulness, and it must be judged by a holy, righteous God, and we must then make a decision to call upon the name of the Lord, to say, oh, Lord Jesus, I'm the one that sent you to Calvary. Oh, Lord Jesus, I'm the one that sinned so wickedly. I'm that open putrid sore in the sight of a holy God. Oh God, forgive me and save me today. He says he'll do that if you'll call on him. Well, if we had that spirit and attitude going into a prayer, maybe that something would stick. By the way, can I just tell you, a prayer doesn't save you. That heart right there, that spirit and that attitude and that confession of God is what makes the difference. Those that call upon the name of the Lord are in Him, the Bible says. Look in 1 Corinthians 12, 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13, we read, For by one Spirit... And that's the Holy Spirit, capital S, that's God, the Holy Spirit. Are we all baptized into one body? Whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, we've been all made to drink into one spirit. The truth is, is that the day you trusted and received the Lord, you were baptized into the body of Jesus Christ. You were placed into the body of Jesus Christ. You know that passage over in the book of John when it talks about we're in the hand of God? My friend, you can be in the hand of God all you want. I'm not in His hand. I am His hand. Now listen, that that Old Testament Jew, he was glad just to be in the hand of God. And no man could pluck him out. But let me tell you something. I'm the body of Christ. So as long as Christ has arms, as long as He has feet, as long as He has limbs, I'm there. I am in Christ today. And as long as He exists, so do I. So we're in him. First Corinthians 8, 6 says, But to have us there is one, but, but to us there is but one God, the Father, of whom are all things, and we in him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we by him. Listen, I just want you to know we're in the Lord Jesus Christ today, and God's plan is this that when you get in him, you're chosen. Because the Bible says simply this according as he hath chosen us in him. 
before the foundation of the world. Long before he, I was ever born, he could see me in his son. You say, I don't get all that. Okay, that's fine. You're human and so am I. It's hard to wrap our mind around eternal things, and it's hard to wrap our mind around biblical things at times. I don't get how he could deliver the children of Egypt, children of Israel out of Egypt with those ten plagues, but he did them. I don't know how, how Lazarus was raised from the dead, but he did it. I don't know how Jesus came forth out of the grave, but he did it. I'm just saying there's so many things I don't get, but I do believe because God tells me. And the bottom line is this. If you're in him, that's God's plan. That's how he chooses who's going to go to heaven and who's not, by those who are in him. And by the way, that's how he can offer whosoever will and give everyone an opportunity to respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ because he's, it's, it's a legitimate offer. It's not a fake. It's not a phony offer. The blood is applicable and it's efficable, we, we say, for all. It's enough blood shed to save the entire world, not just the elect. Not only does God have a plan, but God has a people. And again, because of that plan now, of course, it creates a people. Uh, we're, we're all aware that every person is a creation of God. We, we know that. Uh, we understand that. But that doesn't make them the children of God. And there is a difference. Look, if you will, in Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. A very simple verse, writing to the church at Galatia, the Apostle Paul makes this statement, For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Do you realize it's not about your works, it's not about your deeds, it's not about your goodness? It's not about your heritage or your upbringing. It's not about your gender or your nationality. It has nothing to do with any of that. You are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. The Jews hated the Gentiles. You want to talk about some real um, bias. You want to talk about uh, real problems with different races. They had racial problems in that day too. But let me tell you, Jesus Christ said, listen, that business don't, don't go good with me. Doesn't work with me. Jew and the Gentiles, one body. The Jew and the Gentile come together. It's faith in Christ that makes the difference. You're the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Not about where you were born or who you know or what your economic status is. It has nothing to do with it at all. And in the book of Galatians, there was a constant battle with those who were trying to continually insert Judaism and the laws of Judaism and say you have to do this and you have to do this and you have to do this and you have to do this to be saved. And Paul says, no, you're all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. It has nothing to do with your upbringing or your heritage. It has nothing to do with your effort or your investment. It has nothing to do with you as a person. It has everything to do with him, the man of God, the, the person of God, Jesus Christ. So God has a people, and they've, been, they've placed their faith and trust in Him, the Lord Jesus Christ, Titus 2.14. Who gave Himself for us that He might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto Himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. And then we have that tremendous passage in 1 Peter 2.9. Turn there, if you would, please, which describes the people of God 
or what we ought to be at least, or at least truly describes us as He sees us. Isn't it disturbing to you when you talk to a young person or an adult alike and you're trying to explain to them how, how loved they are, you're trying to explain to them how uh, received they are and how accepted they are, and all they see is a nothing. They see themselves as nothing. And unworthy of love, unworthy of acceptance, unworthy of any type of response of others. They just feel that they're just nothing. You know, the Lord Jesus Christ is trying to help us, and God is trying to remind us of how He sees us. Now listen, I don't know about you, but when I go through my Christian life, I am often disappointing myself, and i got to believe I disappoint Him. But I still want you to understand, because of the Lord Jesus Christ and His righteousness and being in Him, I want you to know how He sees me. Now listen, this is all by faith, because I know that I don't always feel like this person. But I do know how he feels about me if I truly believe his word. Watch this. He says in 1 Peter 2.9, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, an holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should shew forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Isn't that wonderful? I mean, look at the, the way he describes us. Chosen generation, royal priesthood, holy nation, peculiar people. I've had people call me peculiar. But other than that, I think I'm doing pretty good if that's how he sees me. And that's how he sees you today. He has a people. And you and I are his people if you've put and placed your total trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. So he has a plan. He has a people. But finally... God has a program. He has a program. Look, if you will, Matthew chapter 28, very familiar passage. I'll tell you what, this half of the auditorium, over here on my left, your right, look up Matthew 28, 19, and 20. This half, look up Mark 16, 15. From here over, Mark 16, 15. So Matthew 28, 19, and 20, sound booth side. Mark 16, 15. Trying to find an S that doesn't be, end with er, like sinner side. But anyway, I can't. So anyway, moving on. Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Notice Mark 16, 15 for this side. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. I want you to know God has a program. I mean, he has a plan. All those that are in him are chosen and safe. They're on their way to heaven. They have the living God inside them. He has a people as a result of that salvation, as a result of being placed into the body of Christ. We become his children by faith in Christ Jesus. But he has a plan, a program here. A program. And you say, what's the program? Well, the program is to ensure that everybody, everybody, everybody around the world has an opportunity to know what you know and to become what you are in him. That's his program. And how does he get it done? The Bible tells us that we're to go, we're to teach, we're to baptize, we're to train them. And basically, this is the plan in a nutshell. 
Come up, Chase. This is simply it right here. This young man needs Jesus Christ. The Word of God is shared. The Spirit of God works and moves in his life. And he recognizes that he's the sinner that Jesus died for and that he has no hope of ever, ever arriving safely on heaven's shore without the Lord Jesus in his life. And he says, I need you, Jesus. And he receives and accepts and he calls upon him, oh, save me. I'm a worthless wretch. But you are a God that's worthy. And boy, he trusts him. And boy, I tell you what, Jesus takes up residency inside him. And then, here, here's what happens. I, I went, you were to go ye, and teach all nations. Here's the gospel, here's what Jesus did for you, and here's what you are in light of Adam, and, and you need Jesus Christ. Oh, I need Jesus. And then we are to teach them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. Now I begin to say, listen, let me show you over here in Genesis. Boy, look at this principle. Look at this wonderful truth. Oh, boy, look over here in the book of Galatians. And look over here. Man, see, Jesus Christ was born a virgin. I know you didn't understand everything when you first got saved, but let me teach you some things. Now, let me tell you a little bit about salvation and the fact you have eternal life. Let me tell you a little bit about baptism and the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you a little bit about sin and Satan. Let me tell you about, about the Christian battle. Let me tell you a little bit about giving and serving in the local church. We're training and teaching now. You know what I'm really doing? Here's God's plan. I'm reproducing myself in Him. And I'm allowing Christ to be elevated in His life now. Become more real in His life. And then and here's the plan now. Now, you got some things nailed down. Guess what? You don't need a lot nailed down. You just need to know how to be saved. And let's start this process now. You get to... You get to go. You get to go. You don't, you don't have to go. You get to go. You get to become part of the program. You get to be involved with Jesus. You're on the team. So, see that guy right there? I know he doesn't look like much. But he needs Jesus. So, he goes. And I go to the same kind of people. <laughs> now watch, that's the program. That is the program. You can be seated, Chase. It's that simple. It's not just going and sharing the gospel. It's then teaching and training them to go. See, no one is truly a disciple of Christ. I need to be careful because I don't want to get off on a tangent. But we're truly not the disciples of Christ unless we're allowing our witness and our testimony to be seen in a world that's lost. Our light has to shine. Look at Acts chapter 13 very quickly. Acts chapter 13 verse 46. Again, this program is expressed throughout the New Testament. We see it so clearly. And the, the program is always about reaching the world. It's about reaching one person at a time. Hey, I'm all for big meetings, and I'm all for preaching to thousands, and, and I like it, and I think it'd be wonderful. And if I ever get an opportunity to do that, I will gladly do so. But let me tell you this. When it's all said and done, 
The real work of the ministry is done one on one. That's where the real change takes place in lives. When we put ourselves in a mentoring position where we are there for them, not just at church, but afterwards. Notice what the Bible says in Acts 13, verse 46. Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said, It was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you. He's talking about the Jews. (laughs) But seeing ye put it from you, and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. Over in the book of Romans, we see that it was to the Jew first, then also to the Greek. Well, the Jew did receive the gospel first. And now they've rejected it. And he says, okay, you said no to the gospel. We're going to go to a people that will say yes to the gospel. That doesn't mean we, don't, we cease to reach the, 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 the Jewish people. No, we continue to work to reach them. Because listen, if they do not understand that Jesus Christ is Messiah, they don't realize that he is God in flesh. If they don't get that in their mind, they will perish. I don't care how much you say, how much the Bible says, how much I say they're God's people, they will perish and go to hell without Jesus Christ because there is only one way, one truth, and one life, and that's Jesus. He is the way. Neither is there salvation any other, for there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. No other name. That includes any other religious leader that you can think of. Okay, get saved through that religious leader, you're lost. There's no salvation there. Not biblical salvation. Not eternal, that's for sure. Notice he goes on to say, So, for so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, As a result of all that, we turn to the Gentiles. For so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee to be a light of the Gentiles, that thou shouldest be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. Ends of the earth. See that? Salvation of the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as were ordained to eternal life believed, and the word of the Lord was published throughout all the region. Listen again. Many of them said, you know what? I want to get in on that plan. I want to get in on it. God knew who they were going to be already. It's like he knew you were going to be in. But they got in. Why? The Jew had rejected, so he goes out to the Gentile, and it's to go out into the whole, the entire world, the entire earth. Hey, listen, missionaries. Israel, we had them going to, um, I, I'm really bad with remembering names, let alone countries. But we had them going to Israel. We had them over in, uh, let's see, the uh, uh, Rabados were going to Nepal. And then we had the, the uh, see, the Edwards were going to Israel. And then, let's see, the, um, yeah, because I had to work on that name. The Rostellis, 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 actually it's R-A and then it's E at the, Rostellis, they were going to, where at? Bosnia. Bosnia. Just checking. Okay, I know it's down by India, okay, that's where I know or something, right? Okay, so anyway, but nonetheless, that's Nepal, I know, okay, whatever. So anyway, I, I, I'll get it figured out here. But they're going around the world. God has a program. God has a program. What about you? Are you in on that thing? I mean, he has a plan. He has a people. He has a program. You took full advantage of that plan by getting in Christ. Now you're his people. And for his people, as we saw, he's got a program. 
How you doing with that program personally? Are you taking him to your friends, your family, your co-workers? Are you taking him to those who you know can reach out to and touch personally? And then what part are you, because the, the command is to go into all the world, what part will you play in reaching the world even? Oh, hopefully you'll lead someone to Christ that maybe lives in a foreign land, and they'll then carry that gospel to a foreign land. Hey, that's, that's the way it's supposed to work. We're going to invest in our, our lives into individuals, and they're going to carry the gospel. You and I can have a world impact individually. But then we can also have an impact through our giving financially. And that's what faith promises about. Hey, listen, you may not be called to go, but you can give. You may not be called to serve on a foreign field, but you can send. And that's what Faith Promised Missions is about. Sending those that will go, representing each and every one of us. So we can have fruit to our account. May God help us to realize that Faith Promised Missions isn't another ploy. It's another, not a, another opportunity for a preacher to get a few bucks. Because really, I, I, don't, I don't see the money in that sense. I don't touch the money in that sense. I, I, don't, I don't have any, anything to do with it. I give to this myself. I try to give very liberally to this. Because I believe in what I'm telling you. Feels like I just lost my mic again. It'd be pretty sad if the preacher himself, if, if this isn't working all the time, I'm going to shut it off. It'd be pretty bad if the preacher himself would be telling you to give, but he didn't give. Yeah. Wouldn't that be pitiful? Be hypocritical. But I do what I can as well. I've tried to do even more this year than I've ever tried to do. And it won't be me, it'll have to be him. And that's all he wants is us to be obedient to him. Amen. So let's go ahead and close in a word of prayer. But if you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior, you've not gotten in him, you've never received and accepted the Lord into your life, you don't know for sure heaven's your home, let me tell you, don't delay. Don't waste any more time living in this world without him. Someone says, well, Christians, they have it rough too. Yeah, but at least they have him. See, as I told the singer this morning, we have the best of both worlds. Oh, yeah, we're going to have our problems, but we get to go through them with him. And then we get to live an eternity with him. We have the best of both worlds. God help you if you don't know him. Please trust him today. Father, we come to you. We love you. We thank you for all you mean to us and all you do for us. Father, we'll give you the glory for it. If there be any that are lost without Christ, may they be saved this morning. In Christ's name, amen. Let's all stand, every head bowed, every eye closed. Again moving quickly today. Do you know him? Have you trusted him? Have you received him? If you haven't, won't you settle that today? The music's playing. You simply step out of your seat, excuse yourself to an aisle, and come on out. You're a child of God. Maybe you're considering what God would have you do, and you still haven't come to a conclusion. You haven't made that final decision. Maybe you just need to come and ask the Lord, what will you have me do?